Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your questions at 801 575 We'll take them right now. The phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions at 575 Ton, the next listener says that they have an iris patch that's probably five foot by six foot. Uh, they've never divided or moved any of them because they weren't sure what to do. Now, the patch is beautiful in the spring. They all seem to bloom, but it's way too big. When and how do they divide and move some of these plants? Normally... It's late August into early September, mid-August to early September. Mm -hmm. And you just dig them, and those iris leaves are attached to root sections that are uh, horizontal. And so what you would do is just get a good fan of six or seven leaves on a section of root that's about four inches long. Cut the leaves back by about 40% with some scissors. And so it looks like a little fan. And then you just plant that. And the reason you do that in August is so it can get reestablished and hopefully bloom the next year. Now, you can divide iris at other times. It's just that they won't bloom quite as soon as if you do it in August. So I divided some. Didn't have time to plant the portion that I broke off. Uh, I put it in a pot. It's outside. Is it going to survive the winter? It should be fine as long as the soil doesn't freeze. I just figured, well, if it lives, it lives. If it yeah, doesn't, I it, put it by like where my hose, the you know, the hose bib yeah. is, and I thought, mm, we'll see what happens. Put three or four inches of leaves on top of it and leaves around the pot, and I'll bet you it will be okay. Oh, it's buried now. Who knows, Tom? We'll if it's in the snow, that's even better. Okay. Uh, next listener says, when a peach tree has bores, how do you know when it's time to replace it? I mean, when do you give up the ghost? If the wood is more than 50% damaged, so on the lower trunk, if you have less than 50% of the conductive tissue and bark left, it's time to swap it. Okay. Next listener says um, they've been given a number of orchids this year or over the years. They've been given orchids. Um, They've kept them alive. They have green leaves. Will they bloom again? They say they know nothing about orchids. They can. Now, you actually have more experience than yes. I do with orchids. I actually know something more than you. That's yes. really tough to believe. Um, I will just say what I do is with orchids, make sure that you don't let the roots sit in water. So whenever you're watering them, make sure they drain completely. Keep them in an east-facing window, um, and they get the proper sunlight. 
And then when they start to bloom, you see them branch out. You can actually move them to other I move them to other parts of my house. When they're in full bloom, I don't want them up in my bathroom in the east. You know, I move them down into the yeah. entryway or something. And by doing that, by just changing the location in the house and putting them back after they've bloomed in that that east facing window, they continue to bloom year after year, sometimes twice a year. No, that's fantastic. I know that I've not even fertilized them. among the easier houseplants to get to continuously bloom, but you do need to meet those requirements so that you get that variation in the right soil, the right amount of water, the right amount of light. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know they come in that kind of funny soil, the kind of pellety. Yes, what is that called? I don't Almost know what just it's bark. called. Yeah, bark. Pretty much just bark pellets. And as long as it has that, and as long as you don't let them sit in water. Because they will rot. They do not like to be sitting in water. Make sure they're drained completely. Uh, we do have a caller now. Suzanne is in Murray. Good morning, Suzanne. What is your question? Good morning. I grow orchid cactus. And my question is, is the branches get covered with kind of a decayed-looking something? I don't mean brown and sooty. I mean sort of that typical cactus kind of rotted I don't know. It's, it's light tan, and it makes the plants very disfigured. Am I supposed to be using a fungicide on those? Well, do you think it's a fungus causing the problems? I have no idea, but it does seem to be typical to these orchid cactus. What, I, what city are you in? Murray. Murray. You know, I'm going to have you email some pictures. Orchid cactus are very uncommon. You know, they're not like Christmas cactus or pothos. Right, right. And instead of trying to guess, I don't want to tell you it's a fungus, go out and have you buy a fungicide and just have it have it be normal. Can you upload okay. some pictures of that to our Facebook, the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page? And I'll take a look at those and see if I can get you a little bit more definitive. It very If it's causing disfigurement, I think it is a fungus, but I'd like to look at it a little more closely. Okay. You can All do right. that I on Messenger, that. too. You yeah, can just Facebook send Messenger us mess- to the KSL Greenhouse Show. Say that again? Facebook Messenger. So just okay. on, Yeah, just in the messages on Facebook, you can send it so to So when you go right. to Facebook, you'll up, open Messenger, search KSL Greenhouse, and then upload the pictures there. Okay. I would be happy to do that, and I appreciate your help. Great, Suzanne. Thanks for your call this morning. So, Tom, tell me about orchid cactus. They look a little like the Christmas cactus, except for the flowers. Well, they can be white or they can be pink. Hmm. And they are just ones that you will see once in a while, but they're just not as common. And they're a little more challenging. And so some pictures, I know our listeners can't see them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they look a but little bit like beautiful. Christmas cactus. They're yeah, very the flowers, beautiful. Yeah, the flowers are beautiful. So, you know, you, there's things to manage. And, you know, give it a winter rest, you know, eight to ten weeks in winter. Then, you know, it's just one thing that there's a process like the orchids to get them to bloom. And people do like to, hobbyists like to grow them. But for every 500 Christmas cactus sold, you might sell one orchid cactus. Well, and you'd probably have to go to some place very specialized like cactus and tropicals yes because i'm not seeing these like no at Walmart no i or... they're 
the white one right there. Oh, that's beautiful. So they are very gorgeous, but it's one that if someone is growing one, you know that they're a serious hobbyist. Or they accidentally got it. Or if you want people to think you're a yes. serious hobbyist, then yeah. go buy one now, right? Yeah. A number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Our phone lines are open right now. You can also text us your questions at 57500. When we were talking about the orchids, I was talking about that east-facing window. Is there another direction that they can face? I don't know why they do well there, my orchids, but I just know that that's where I put them and that's where they work the best. The orchid cact, excuse me, the orchids are epiphytic plants. It means they live on tree limbs in the understory of the forest. Mm -hmm. And so they do get bright light, but it's filtered. They don't get a lot of direct sunlight. Oh, I should say that this is not direct sunlight. Yes, and that's why they do well in the east window. Okay, so in that east window without the direct sunlight, yeah. So this is kind of a corner uh, that used to have the big pine tree in front of it that's had to go by the wayside. But yeah, that east-facing window always works better. Uh, let me look at this next text question. Oh, they're just thanking us for our remarks. Uh, I'm going to give the phone numbers again, and we're going to take a break and come back with more of your questions. The number to call, 801-575-8255. Text us, 57500. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton taking your questions. Phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton says, when do they prune red delicious apple trees and peach trees? Red delicious apple trees are pruned in mid-February and peach trees mid-March. Okay, next listener says, can you transplant off an existing rhubarb plant? So I'm assuming they want to dig it. After the snow. Yes, you can. That's how they're propagated is through those divisions. I would look up some YouTube videos on dividing rhubarb. You'll do it in very early spring as soon as the snow melts off. And you'll want to find what's called a crown. And so that plant will have little groupings of what are called crowns. Mm -hmm. And there will be five, you know, on an older plant, anywhere from five to ten of them. And you use a sharp spade to dig down and get the roots and just cut that off from the mother plant and then move it to a new home. Okay. Does rhubarb grow pretty quickly? It does. You don't want to harvest it for two to three years after you do that. But... It will spread very quickly. When I say spread, it will get, you know, sometimes four or five feet tall. And you only harvest those stalks in the spring. Mm -hmm. And when they start to get a little bit anemic, you stop. But it's three years down the road before you really want to start harvesting off of one. Okay. Next listener says their large smoke bush was uprooted by the heavy snow. Can they replant it or should they pull it out? No, it probably was damaged. What I would do is cut it back. And those actually are regularly cut back in the spring to make them more dense. Mm -hmm. And some of the roots are still going to be in the ground. So I would pull the snow away, do their best to get it back into the ground. And it may take a couple of years, but there's a good chance that it'll re-root. 
Okay, Wes in Alpine would like to know, what are your best sources for vegetable garden seeds? It really depends on what you want to grow. Because Sheridan Hansen, maybe we can book her next week to talk about, mm-hmm. buys, we grow a lot of the same vegetables, but she loves heirlooms. And she loves open pollinated, and I am more into hybrid stuff. And so the places I get seed are completely different than Sheridan, but both of our sources are very good depending on what we're looking for. And so for what I am growing, my main source is Johnny's, but I also grow buy from Park Seed, Totally Tomatoes, Burpees, Gurneys. What other ones? Harris is a really good one, too. But they carry seeds, especially in vegetables, that I would grow in my garden to where Sheridan would maybe go more toward territorial seed and some of these that specialize more in heirloom stuff, stuff that grandma and grandpa grew or unique things that, you know, you may not be able to find elsewhere. And so it just really depends. And so I'll see if we can book Sheridan next week to talk about where she buys her vegetables to give a different perspective on what I would buy because I'm very practical. I want to get the most bang for my buck, although I am getting into some more unique things, <laughs> you know, and Sheridan grows vegetables for the art of it and the fun and just to see what's different. And she gets excited about that. And I get excited about, hey, this tomato yielded more than that one. And by so, the way, if you didn't catch our visit to the uh, USU a demonstration garden at the botanical botanical gardens up there. Um, you're going to want to check out the video because Sheridan grows so many unusual peppers and eggplant. And I mean, it's really fun to see what will grow here that you might not even think that you can grow. Let's go back to our phone lines. Jill is in Sandy. Good morning, Jill. How can we help you this morning? Hi, I have a pretty old yard. It's maybe close to 50 years old, and it's quite large in the back. And my border is those old tam junipers and a lot of euonymus and things. And they are just absolutely smashed by the snow. We got about 17 inches here. Um, They are just, oh, it's just devastating. And my junipers and my euonymus in the front and on the sides, should I go out and try to shake the snow off? Will they ever bounce back or are they... Are they doomed? Is the snow really wet and heavy? Yeah, it has been. Yes, it is wet and heavy. It's starting to melt now. You can try a leaf blower to see if it'll just No, no, no. It's too wet for that. If it's too wet, then you're going to try to have to clean it off. Otherwise, you will have smashed plants that will take years to to get their former shape back. Yeah. And it may be too late already. Oh, my goodness, that just breaks my heart because it forms, you know, a border on my side and it goes all along the wall in the back. Quite extensive. We have that all right, well, problem. It's really heavy, too. Wet, try to get the snow, snow off, and if okay. it doesn't look like they're going to bounce back, look up a technique called renewal pruning. Okay. And what you would do yeah, I've heard you talk about that. is take uh-huh. those biggest, like, floppiest branches out and try to maintain some of the younger branches to see if they will reform more quickly from renewal pruning. Okay. All right. Well, it's hard, you know, when you've lived here for so long and have that nice border and it's mm-hmm. just smashed. Yeah. My raspberries if, kind of bounced back, but these are not. These yeah. Are just, if bleh. you cut those tams and just give them a haircut, you'll kill them. And you have to use that renewal pruning on them so that okay. there's still a lot of foliage left. All right. Well, thank you. All right, Jill. Good luck to you. 
Uh, next listener, Tan, wants to know the pros and cons of planting a tricolored beech in Bountiful. Well. Setting it, your expectations. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's beautiful. I love it. It's my favorite tree. In May tree. and June. Oh, and then I know. looks like it was beaten with an ugly stick in July, August, and September. It's not quite that bad. But they do, the leaves do get kind of singed. They get scorched. And they just don't look as nice, for It sure. doesn't seem to hurt them. No. But that variegation is made for places that are cooler and more humid in the summer. Places like England, maybe Portland and Seattle that we just don't have here. And so it's really common for them to scorch by early July. Yeah. What about a more protected area, maybe? They might hold on for a couple of weeks longer. But even on a north exposure, they seem to scorch. It breaks my heart. I told you I wanted to plant that. And then as I watched the trees through the season, I was like, oh, but I'm going to be miserable by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, there's some other really neat beech trees that will stay within the, re, you know, the sizes of tr- the tricolor. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite is called Fernleaf Beach, and it has a really finely cut uh, leaf on it, similar to a Japanese maple. And so if you needed one, Fernleaf Beach might be a good replacement, and it doesn't scorch. Okay, so look at that one as well. And the number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. We're going to take a break for the top of the hour news, and we'll be back with more of your calls and questions. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.